0: Just we are we are so excited that you're here tonight. Um, I know a lot of you were hoping that maybe Brad would be back. Brad, you guys remember Brad? <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's. I, some of you have been watching over the last several weeks. He's been posting pictures on Facebook of his travels, and um, he he and Donna have been having an amazing time. And he's been extremely busy. And I want to show you a little progression of Brad over the last few weeks because you may be shocked. So, I'm going to, we have a picture of Brad here, beginning of his trip. Notice the smooth baby bottom, smooth face. Very handsome, looking good. But then we get a few weeks into his trip. That's right. Look at that. He's kind of going lumberjack. He's got kind of the George Clooney uh, little three-day stubble thing going on. But some of you will not recognize him when he comes back. So I just wanted to give you a picture so that you would know who it is uh, when you see him. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's kind, of a, kind of a shocking thing if you're not used to it. So... We're still trying to get used to it around here, but um, we're happy. He's going to be back next week, and he'll be sharing a little bit about his about his sabbatical. So, um, with that, I'm going to transition into what we we're talking about, which tonight, which is going to be it's going to be fun. Um, I do, you know, I'm going to start out with a video. I've got a video that I think does a great job of kind of setting us up for this, and it's a video that really was a video in the 20th century that I think. Um, it really defined a, a, a generation, and it it has helped shape who we are today. So I just want to show you this clip, and, and it will set us up well.
1: Hey. Oh, Mr. Miyagi, I forgot to give this back to you last night. No, 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 you keep. Oh, thanks a lot. So, ready? Well, yeah, I guess so. must talk. Walk on the road. Hmm? Walk right side, safe. Walk left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get the squish, just like grip. Here, karate, same thing. Either you karate do, yes. Or karate do, no. You karate do, guess so. Just like grip. Understand? Yeah, I understand. Now ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yes. Let's make sacred pact. I promise teach karate. That to my part. You promise learn. I say you do. No question. That to your part. Dear, steel. Yes. First wash all the car, then wax. wax.
0: What do I have to that that car?
1: Remember, dear, no question. Yeah, but I. Uh... Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, wax off breathe in through nose out the mouth wax on wax off don't forget to breathe very important wax on wax off wax on wax off hey where these cars come from wax on detroit wax off Breathe out. Wax on. Wax off. Wax on. Wax
0: off. Wax on. Wax <laughs> So, I don't know. Maybe I was overselling it by saying <laughs> you shaped a generation. But it was a good movie, right? Have you guys ever felt like that where you... Kind of, you get sucked into something. You before you even know really what's happening, all of a sudden you're like, "Wait a minute, that's not really what I signed up for." You know, that's how did how did I get here? And I had this experience a few months ago, actually this year. Um, my oldest son Nate has been playing lacrosse for the past three years or so, and you know, starting out, I had no idea anything about lacrosse. Did not understand the rules, didn't understand the customs and the goofy things that you're allowed to do this, but not that. And it just, it didn't make any sense. And after a couple years of watching it, I still didn't understand any of it. It was completely a mystery to me. This year, all three of my boys decided they wanted to play lacrosse. So we got them all into lacrosse and about January, they started practicing. And within a, a few days, the coach uh, asked one of, one of my son's coaches asked if a parent would be willing to come to practice one day a week on Fridays because the assistant coach could make it. And I thought, you know what, that's my day off and I love coaching and it'll give me a chance to hang out with my kids. So yeah, I'll, I'll do that. And, you know, I explained, I don't know anything. And the coach is like, don't worry. You just, I'm going to stick you with a bunch of kids and you just, you know, you just do what I tell you just you follow along, you don't have to understand. And I didn't, I didn't understand it. You know, the whole practice thing didn't make any sense to me. Um, but I, I went ahead and did that. And then within a few, you know, three or four weeks, they started having their preseason games. And the coach said, hey, you know what, since you're at the games, would you mind just standing on the sidelines and hold my clipboard for me? I was like, Oh, i 'm qualified to do that, probably, so you know I stood there and I held the clipboard and just kind of followed him around and you know just, just said oh yeah that 's a good idea, coach. Where to go and once again, really had no idea what I'm, what I was doing and then the the real game start, and he says, "Hey, you know, actually, I want to have you continue you know hold my clipboard, but you got to get certified so it 's really easy you just do you know just a background check and you know, a couple classes and I was like, what? And, you know, so then I'm spending all this money and spending hours, like, watching all of these lacrosse classes and taking tests and paths failing. You know, it was bad. And, you know, I'm thinking, what? How did this happen? I just said I would, you know, do a couple classes and, or, you know, practices. And, you know, the next thing I knew, you know, it's towards the end of the season. And the coach is, like, screaming at me to get the next midi line in. And what are we going to do with this offense and defense? And how is this going to happen? And, like, what, How did? where did we get from just a, you know, like, here, two hours a week, a little bit, to to this? And I don't know about you, but I, I kept thinking in this situation that, you know, my experience getting into church, like starting to go to church, was kind of like that, where, you know, I didn't understand the language. I didn't understand all the rules. I didn't understand why people got mad at each other and screamed, and then they'd hug it out afterwards. And, you know, it was... It was weird. It was like this whole new thing, and and that's kind of how lacrosse was for me. And Jesus did this with his disciples. If you look at the way that his disciples started walking with him and following him, it was it was a little bit a little bit similar. And we're gonna we're gonna look tonight at uh, one of my favorite stories, and we're gonna. So if you have a Bible around you, if you have a smartphone or something, and you want to look at Matthew, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 4. And uh, there's, there's a couple different gospel stories of the same event that we're going to take a look at tonight. And we're going to check out Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 18. And it says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. Whatever that means. And at once, they left their nets, or their jobs, and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets jesus called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him now I don't, you, I don't know about you guys but that doesn't sound very spiritual to me that sounds irrational it sounds ridiculous it sounds irresponsible and crazy that you know there's just this guy walking down the beach and he says follow me. And people are like dropping everything and just going after him. But that's why, that's why for a long time that really, that really bothered me. But if we look at that story from a, from another perspective, um, I think we'll see something. And we're going to take a look at how Luke explains that story. And I think before we do that, It's important to kind of think about who wrote this. Matthew was a guy who was writing to a primarily Jewish audience. So he's writing to people who have an understanding of who Jesus was. They're at least, if they don't understand who Jesus was, they at least have a background in Jewish history, culture, language, or Hebrew language. They understand that the Jewish people for generations have been waiting for a Savior. They've been waiting for the Messiah to come along. And so uh, in Matthew's gospel, he sets this story up. And at the beginning of his gospel, you know, he's, he's showing that there is there's all these Old Testament prophecies about a Messiah, about somebody who's going to save Israel and save the world. And he makes the case that Jesus is this guy. He's the Messiah. And then Matthew kind of continues on, and he shows uh, John the Baptist preparing the way for the Messiah. And once again, shows that Jesus is this guy. And so for Matthew, he paints this picture in his gospel that shows who Jesus is. And then... Once again, he's talking primarily to Jewish people. and So when he gets to the part about these guys, these Jewish guys coming across Jesus, it's kind of a, kind of a no-brainer. People understand the, the weight and the gravity of running into the Messiah on the beach where they would just drop everything and follow him. Luke, on the other hand, was, was writing to people who were a lot more like us. They didn't have this Jewish heritage, and they really didn't understand everything that was going on. And Luke, being who he was, wrote a lot more detail. He, he gave a lot more, um, filled in the gaps a lot more. And um, you'll notice, it, we're going to look at Luke chapter 5, you know, that his, his rendition of this account doesn't start with with some guys cleaning their nets. It starts with Jesus teaching. So 5 verse 1 in Luke says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And pausing for just a second there, A lot of you guys know this. The The moon would go out late at night and they would fish all night because that was when the fish would come up to the surface of the lake. And, you know, these guys have been doing it for generations and they knew where to go in the lake, just like, you know, people who fish around here know the good, good spots to go. So they would go and they would fish at night and then they would fish until daylight. And then that was kind of the end of their work day as far as the fishing. But then they had to get to work mending their nets so they would they would haul their nets and spread them out on the beach and they would start fixing any holes or snags or knots that they had they would clean out all the seaweed and beer cans and everything and you know just make sure that their nets were ready to go then they would they would put them up and and dry them out wait for them to dry then they'd fold them up put them back in their boat and get ready for work for the next day So the whole time they're going through this process of mending and cleaning and drying and folding, Jesus is sitting on the beach talking to a crowd of people. And eventually this crowd seems to be encroaching on Jesus and, you know, kind of pushing him closer and closer to the water. So he says to Peter, hey, can I get in your boat? And when we look in verse 3, it says he, Jesus, got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets." And my guess is when I read that, I think Peter's probably feeling a little like the karate kid there in that scene where, you know, he's, he says, yeah, I'll fall. Yeah, that's great. Okay, let's do that. And then he starts doing this thing. He's like, wait, wait, wait. What does this have to do with what I already agreed to? Or like me on the lacrosse field, you know, saying, all right, I'll do that. And then all of a sudden, it's progressing along further than I anticipated But Simon says, yeah, I will, I will let down the nets. I'll go out into deep water, and I'll, I'll go ahead and do it because it's you, Jesus. So in verse 6, it says, When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then, after hearing Jesus teach, then, after allowing Jesus into his boat, then, After obeying Jesus to put out into deep water, then after casting his nets into the deep water, then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, for now you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and they left everything and followed him. I love that because what else would you do? You know, oh, wow, thanks, Jesus. Uh, Next time I need some fish, I'll give you a call. No, these guys realize, holy cow, this, I don't know. You see in Peter's reaction, he, he falls down at Jesus' knees. So far, we've seen them hearing. They've been listening. They've been pondering, considering, mulling over these teachings of Jesus. But then when they take that that extra step of trusting him and then seeing what Jesus can do with it and they see that Jesus actually has power that is it's supernatural it's unexplainable there's no way these guys have been fishing for generations i guarantee that they've never heard of anything like this happening going fishing in the middle of the afternoon when you're not supposed to be on the water and throwing your nets over the side and having fish so full in your nets that your boat starts to sink. And then having another boat come and do the same thing, it just, it was unheard of. And these guys knew, holy cow, this guy's different. He is not just another rabbi. That's a, it's a different spin on the story than Matthew gives us. It helps us understand a lot more what was going on in this situation. But these guys start out by listening and learning. They're listening to Jesus teach. They're considering, they're pondering, they're wrestling. Peter let Jesus into his boat and followed him, not on blind faith. Man, I hate that term, blind faith, They had been listening and watching and seeing something different in Jesus than any other rabbi that they had ever heard from or seen before. I don't know if you've ever had that sense, but I know sometimes I get that sense that God is nudging me. He's pushing me. He's calling me to something that I'm not comfortable with, that's outside of my comfort zone. And I'm sure that's what Peter was feeling. He was feeling like, you know, this guy's, he's just, he's pushing, you know, what he's asking me to do does not make sense. And I think if you put yourself in Peter's place, it would have been completely reasonable and completely expected that when Jesus asked him to do these things, he would have said, oh, Jesus, I've been up all night. I've been working hard. I've been, you know, throwing nets and hauling nets and throwing nets and hauling nets and mending nets. And I'm tired. I would love to, but you know what? I got to get home because I got to work tomorrow. It would have been reasonable if he had said, Jesus, I would love to do that. But you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. I've been doing this a long time. My family's been doing this a long time. What you're asking me to do makes no sense. It's crazy. It's crazy. But Peter does the unexpected, and he puts his money, his reputation, his convenience on the line. you got to remember, too, that Peter, at this point, didn't know who Jesus was. I mean, he'd probably heard about Jesus, and he has been listening to his teaching, but he didn't know that Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He didn't know he was the Messiah that everybody had been waiting for. At this point, Peter didn't know that he was going to do incredible things. By following Jesus, he was going to experience things and see things that were unimaginable. That he was going to, he was going to be the one and only guy to ever walk on water. He didn't know that he was going to have such faith and respect for Jesus that he was going to choose to be crucified upside down. He didn't know that he was going to actually have his own basilica in Italy. He didn't know what a basilica was, just like you don't. But that's crazy. Like, he didn't know any of these things. But he, he said, you know what? There's something about this, and I'm going to go with it. I'm going to trust Jesus enough to take these little steps. And God does something amazing. As Peter's faith, intersects with jesus faithfulness we see amazing things start to happen and for some of you you're sitting here today maybe you're new to lakeside maybe it's the first time you've been here you've been coming for a few weeks and you are you're just kind of doing your thing you're keeping your head down trying not to be noticed and you're listening and you're learning and you know what that's okay Love to have you here and love to have you listening and learning, just hanging out and absorbing. That's good. Man, that is, that is awesome. And no pressure or guilt that you need to, you know, do anything else for right now. That's okay. But I guarantee that there is going to be a nudge. There is going to be a time when God is saying, hey, take a step. Trust me. Just, just really test me. Test me. We have, we have all kinds of opportunities for people wherever they're at. And if you're that person who is just kind of coming and checking things out, you don't believe, you don't know if you believe, you're just, you're just listening. You're just kind of hanging back. You're a spectator. That's okay. We have, you know, Mike announced a few things that are coming up that are great, easy steps. A men's breakfast no-brainer. You get to hear a guy who's, you know, telling his war stories from Afghanistan and what God has done in him and through him and to the people around him. That's awesome. You know, helping out with blitz, being involved in that parenting group, you know, those are things that are fantastic, relatively easy, painless steps to do if you are hanging out there on the beach. And Jesus says, hey, can I get in your boat? And for some of you, Jesus has been in your boat for a long time, and you are uh, you 're cruising along, and you know things are happy and There may even have been times in your life where you 've pushed out to deeper water with Jesus, and maybe you 've kind of drifted back into shore and You know what? There are just countless opportunities, and man, I can think of a thousand there 's a couple things. Uh, we've got a series that we're doing this fall in September and October. It's, it's the text series, and we are going to be just diving into the Bible and looking at why the Bible was written, who was it written by, when was it written, what, you know, how do you read it, how do you interpret it, how do you apply it to your life. It's going to be a great series, and our goal for that series is we want to get every single person in this room into a small group for about five weeks. For some of you, that's like, oh yeah, this is great, put me in. For others of you, that is scary, that's intimidating, you don't even like people. But that's okay, <laughs> that's okay. You can come and just put your head down and you can just, you can listen and learn. You can just be in that absorbing stage. And, you know, for some of you, that that is just the listening and learning is going to be a challenge. That's a big step. Others of you... You've been in Bible studies for years, for your whole life. Your Bible trivia knowledge is huge, and it's crazy. But the other thing that, that uh, Jesus was calling his, his disciples here to do was to be fishers of men, right? He was calling them to be fishers of men, to just like he said with the Great Commission, I want you guys to go out. I want you to baptize people. I want you to teach people. I don't want you, he's not calling them to be attenders of church. He's not calling them to be great Bible trivia people. He's not calling them to be really moral. And no, he's calling them to fish for men, to teach people about Jesus. This is an opportunity for you if you've just been hanging back, you know, having somebody else put the spoon in your mouth with scripture to begin to feed other people. And really, it's going to be pretty low key because it's going to be a facilitating role. So really, you're you're barely even leading. You're just you're really just kind of hosting, and and you are the facilitator for that group. That's that's an easy thing. There are um, there's things. Oh, this is a biggie for me. Here's a little nudge. I was thinking about this, and this was in an actual literal thought that I had. I was sitting right up there at the front probably two or three weeks ago, and church got out and we started walking out and I didn't stay up here and talk or anything. I just went right out in the lobby. By the time I got into the lobby, there were about 15 people left. And I had two thoughts. One was, where the heck did everybody go? The second thought was, if there's ever a fire, we're all safe because you know how to get the heck out of here like nobody's business. Are you kidding me? Stick around for... 10 minutes, 15 minutes after church and talk to somebody. And I know that's crazy. It's crazy, huh? <laughs> Go for it. Just These are little steps. And what I'm talking about here, literally, I don't know that I could come up with with smaller, most basic steps. There are things with relationships and careers and addictions that I know that you guys are dealing with that those are bigger things for you to trust Jesus with. And if you want to talk about any of those things, man, grab me or grab somebody after church and, and love, to, love to talk about those things with you. Here's my guarantee, and I never guarantee anything, but I will guarantee this. If you if you step out, if you take one little step after another when Jesus is nudging you, that you will be blessed. You will be amazed at what he does. And it's just, it is literally those little those little steps. And in the immortal words of my friend Miyagi-Do, <laughs> Mr. well, yeah, he's called Miyagi-Do though. Follow Jesus, yes. Follow Jesus, no. But like a grape if you stay in the middle. All right, let's pray. God, I, uh, I thank you. Lord, you're good. You are faithful. And Jesus, you love us. God, your desire is that we have the absolute best. And God, you give us so many opportunities. You, you nudge us along. And so often we come up with excuses. God, we think about ourselves. We think about what we can do under our own power, Lord. And when we allow you to tell us where to drop the nets and when to drop the nets, God, you will do miraculous things. Father, I pray that at Lakeside we would be a church of people who trust you, who follow you, who are willing to take that that uncomfortable, that inconvenient step to allow you to work. God, you are good and we love you and pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.